now that we're out of the James Harden situation, we can now focus in on basketball as a whole. Welcome to FRPC Hoops. I'm your guy, Vince, and uh, so excited to be back, man. We are in a process of a move, which is also the process of, uh, how can I put this? We are a stone's throw away from Shangri-La, my friends. And uh, soon, we'll have like our semi-permanent digs for a while. But right now, we are make shipping it together and this is what we have and this is where we are so very excited about everything that's going on we finally do have obviously the hardened trade and and what have you and we need to go through that and when we go through this we're looking for a couple things um one we have seen a game um it is exactly what i thought it would be right um in the sense of you're looking at a situation where you have a lot of dudes who need the ball. Um, it's really hard to quantify when you have Harden who needs to be in rhythm with the ball. Kawhi is also the same way. Paul George, not so much. Russ, definitely. So, a lot of mouths to feed on that team. First outing out wasn't so great, but obviously the chemistry needs a lot of work. You, it's a wait-and-see project for me when it comes to that part of the game. <clears throat> now, as far as why they did it, you'll hear words like being competitive. You'll hear words like, we're really trying to win. And, and I'm not saying none of that is true. Because it is. It's true. They want to win. Walmart uh, hasn't seen um, a team get to the Western Conference Finals. He hasn't seen any of that. So, I mean, for him, it's one of those situations where let's let's try this. We tried everything else. And Harden himself, if you just look at him and say, if you're getting the first half of James Harden, or really, it was not even the first half. It was like the first 55 games or whatever. The first 55 games of Harden with the Sixers is very good. Uh, you can't really compete with what, what we're talking about right there. Now, if you want to talk about what Harden wants to do, and he said in his press conference, I am the system. Well, that's news to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard who thought they had a joint partnership, now a some sort of triumvirate uh, partnership. So that was, that was news to our guys, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Um, here's what I'm, here's, here's what I'm thinking. There's two questions. All right. Is this what, is this, is this what truly Harden wants? That's the first question. Is this what truly Harden desires? And then the second question, how do you five, how do you satisfy five on ball initiators? Cause I didn't even talk about um what's our guy, Bones Island, who was off to a pretty good start. So you have that. But I think the second question is probably more important tied to the first question. And if what the reports or what 
Harden said is true. We're going to see a lot of stagnation, and we're going to see a lot of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George spotting up for three. If Ty Lue has his way, who is a pretty good innovator of offense and, and plays and what have you, you're going to see a lot more movement, a lot of more getting it up and down, going, going. And that situation is going to be better suited for the other type of athletes you, that you have on your team. So you have that. Um, here are the things that Ty Lu dubbed the Bill Belichick will get the opportunity to navigate um, with James Harden. So all your typical minefields that you deal with with James Harden. So you have style play. Uh, you have managing of aging stars and rest patterns. You have that. Competing in a stack west, you have that. Get agreement from stars on shot distribution. Oh, yeah. And don't allow Kawhi Leonard, if he gets injured, to go off and go to parts unknown. And also, do not let James Harden out the building to some of our fine, fine uh, establishments that we have in Los Angeles. So, those are the things that you want to do. Um. Here's the best part of the trade. They didn't give up a lot. The one thing is, is that they did realize they were competing with themselves. They didn't have to do all of those things that, you know, we were hearing. You know, all these multiple first-round picks, this guy, that guy, this guy. Norman Powell is still a Clipper. Terrence Mann is still a Clipper. Now, you did get rid of, like, Batoon and the Morrises of the world and the Rodney Covingtons of the world and things of that nature. You did do that. But you do have a couple cards left to play if for some reason you need to go ahead and do so. So these are all things that are still on the board with the Clippers. They did not give a, give away all of their draft picks. They actually found a way to get a draft pick from OKC, and we'll get to them in a second. So you have a situation where not the cover is completely bare. There's a couple crumbs still left in it, and we'll see how it all works. So from the point of what the Clippers actually gave up, now as far as fit, we'll talk about we talked about that with what Ty Lue is up against, but when it comes down to actual what the Clippers gave up, this is excellent deal when it comes to that. Uh, moving on. Um... Sorry, got a lot of notes today. We're going to get through it as quickly as we possibly can. And we'll get to uh, all the, hopefully all the stuff that's been going on with me. All right. Is it is it too early to talk about that the OKC situation might be getting closer to checkmate? Here's my reasoning in that. Now, they're part of this deal, and... We'll talk about their overall play and whatever the case may be. But pressing, maneuvering, and consolidating could be the culminating of a move that would vault OKC Thunder to true and viable threat in the West. Now, here's the thing. They still have a mountain of picks. You are still in a situation where you kind of need a big to go along with Chet. Um, there are... Giddy's not off to the greatest of starts, and he looks 
not out of place. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, the flow with SGA and J Dub and like Case and Wallace on the floor seems better than the flow when Giddy's on the floor. Now that could be due to spacing. That could be due to a lot of things. But what we are seeing. We're seeing a situation where if for some reason this team is starting to figure out, okay, these are the guys that we want to go with. These are the guys that are true to our new future or whatever the case may be. This is the this is the uh, the core group or whatever. Now you're talking about a situation where is getting the piece that gets you the piece that you need to really compete in the West. So, that's a close thing to keep on monitoring. Now, let's get to the Philadelphia side. And I got some thoughts on Embiid and how they're playing and what have you. The most important thing about this whole deal is that James Harden is out of there. And now their whole deal is different. And what I mean by that is they play different. The structure, the shot structure is different. Obviously, Maxi takes a leap up. Tobias Harris goes up in shots. And we'll get to them in a second. Um, <clears throat> it looks like they have kind of quelled the MB talk. Now, obviously, we get to the playoffs. We'll see how that all works out. But it's something to monitor. Um. The good thing about this is, is let's get into it. Tyrese Maxey um, and new head coach Nick Nurse, are, they want to kind of know the, what, what's going on. And now they do know. They have all the pieces that they have. They got the first round draft picks and all that. So they know what's going on. But Tyrese Maxey taking that leap gives you another answer to a question that you could not answer with James there in is Maxie going to take that leap? Now that he has a lot of the ball handling responsibilities, I was worried about would he be able to get Embiid involved in the offense, and we're going to get to Embiid right now. What we have seen and what a couple of us have talked about over the years with Embiid is that his playmaking is not good. Not being able to hit the open man um, in a timely fashion and get the ball movement. It's not that he's a black hole. He is a willing passer. He just wasn't very good at it, and he still continues to turn the ball over a lot. But what we are seeing is uptick on his assists. So the thought, just the just having that more wide vision to see an open cutter might also get them into a situation where they can get easier buckets or hit a wide open man for three because he's such when he goes into the paint, he just sucks everything back into him. Case in point, the other night he scored 48 points in three quarters, mind you. This is all in three quarters. So 48 points, 11 rebounds, six assists. He's been, been averaging about seven assists a game, 14 uh, free throws attempted, four, three, 14 three throws hit. One steal, one block, and that's all in three quarters. So, as far as Harden's impact on that team, yes, Joel Embiid has to do more. Tyrese Maxey has to do more. 
and Tobias Harris has to do more, and so far, so good. Um, the thing with Embiid that you know everybody wants to keep an eye out on is just keep in mind. Let's kind of go over the history a little bit. Now, there was a point where there was Embiid, Simon Simmons, and and Jimmy Butler. That didn't work out. Jimmy heads to Miami. <clears throat> they do the Jimmy Simmons. They do the they do the uh, Joel Embiid Ben Simmons things. Ben Simmons sours on the organization. They decide to go a different route. They trade Ben. All in all, you know, we've been harping on Joel Allen B. Get, you know, get stronger, uh, get more fit, you know, take less jump shots, be more dominating inside. All these things, but he's done all these things and being a good soldier about it. Now, <coughs> excuse me, we get to the point where. James Harden comes in, and now this is a third dude that he doesn't have anymore. And, yes, it all looks good right now. I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited about how they're playing. So, the great thing about this is, is that we will see, and we'll see if they can add a piece later on in the year with the picks that they did get back. Um. The other thing is, let's talk about the internet and podcast punching bag, which is Tobias Harris. All this guy has done is star in whatever role that Philadelphia has put in. Mind you, he was never the third, the first or second or third guy. He was already he was always like an ancillary piece, a solid piece at that. But they didn't want that guy taking like twenty shots a game. That was not his deal. They didn't want any of that. Now, he actually is dependent upon to take double-digit shots on a regular basis. And all he's done is uh, 20.5 points, 5 rebounds, 1.5 steals, and a block. He's shooting, at the time of this podcast, 47% from 3. We know that's, you know, early season totals. And 50% from the field total. I just think as far as Harris is concerned, you know, I hope that we are able to appreciate what he has brought to the Philadelphia 76ers in his tenure. And with this expanded role, hopefully we get to see him in a better light instead of just looking at him as this $38 million player who's not living up to this salary. He's living up to the role that he was put in by the actual franchise. So let's get that straight as well. Um, see here, a couple other things. Let me see this. I want to get to a couple other things. I got a lot of notes here and I want to get through all of it because we have been away for a second. I want to get to the Victor Wimbayama, uh, situation and well, the, the Victor Wimbayama just coming out party. If you want to call it that, um, Right now, Victor is marching towards the Rookie of the Year. So far, he's averaging, you know, 21 points, over 8 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 2.2 blocks, and, uh, you know, doing steals and what have you. Now, here's the other thing. Vic 
Big Vic in the fourth quarter is a plus 25. So he's crushing it in the fourth in the fourth quarter. We seen we saw the game against Phoenix, how he played. Now the game after that, he didn't play so well, but still. He is showing very well in crunch time that he's one of the better dudes. He is not scared of the moment. So we're getting all of what we wanted to see from Mr. Uh Victor Wimbayama. Here are some of the quotes. He played the Miami Heat. They said uh, it looked like Michael Jordan's long reach dunk in Space Jam. Um, you know, I mean, here's the other thing. Another stat out there. First five game, 100 points, 10 plus blocks. This, the, first, the last person to do that was Shaquille O'Neal 31 years ago in 1992. So, I mean, these are all things that Victor Wimbayama is doing, and he's doing it on a team that is doing a lot of um, experimenting, right? They're doing a lot of experimenting. They're putting together a team, and they're looking at it, and they're trying to figure it out. And, uh, you know, Jeremy Sohan at the guard position, Trey Jones should be playing there. Um, somebody had made mention of them going out and because they do have some picks or whatever going out and burning a first rounder on like a, a good pack backup point guard and allowing Trey Jones to go into the starting lineup and kind of put Sohan as kind of a second side initiator. It's not that I don't agree with that at all. You definitely want that. But I think this is more about Victor Wimbanyama's development. I think they want him to have the ball. I think they want him to make decisions. And I think they want to see what they have and then decide from there, you know, what kind of people you need around him. So I think this is a real year of discovery for the San Antonio Spurs. I don't think it's a need to panic and go out and start adding pieces to Victor Wimbanyama, not because he's not good enough. It's just because... Can we see the fullest extent of the array of talents that he has? And then let's pick out the best ones, <clears throat> accentuate those strengths, minimize the weaknesses, and then we can build the team around them. But we're like seven games in. It's hard to make any kind of clear-cut decision about what's the best route to build the team around Victor Wimbayama. All right. I had a couple of suggestions and a couple of things that I want to talk about. Now, we all were up in arms last Friday about the in-season tournament courts and how ugly they are and how colorful they are. And in one situation, one court... Um, was not even at the original um, 24 feet for three-point line. So, got to get those right. So, now, the other thing with it is, is this, is that, you know, nobody understands it. Everybody's kind of confused, and, you know, we don't know what we're locking in on. And here's the thing. I'm all up for trying things, being innovative, doing new things with it, and... I got a couple suggestions that 
probably aren't. Well, I'm going to throw them out there anyway. I'm going to throw out these suggestions. These are something that I thought of. And I'm sure other people have thought of as well. And we can kind of tweak it however it needs to go. However it needs to see fit. But here's the one thing that I will say. Is that. If you want fans to be interested. And then you want the players to be interested. You need to give them something to worry about. You need to give them something to care about. You need to give them something to go like. Because here's the thing. The Larry O'Brien trophy is the trophy that everyone cares about. We got to a point where now in-season games don't really matter as much because everybody's vying for position and making sure their body's at an optimal level before we get to the playoffs and, you know, screw playoff position and getting the best record. There used to be like a sense of pride when it came to getting the best record in the NBA. And now it's load management Oh, if we can be in the top half of the bracket, that's better. But you don't see teams saying our goal is 65 wins. Now, for the young people out there, <clears throat> I know ESPN talks about it. I know the uh, the the Talking Head show talk about it and this, that, and who's the over-unders and you know, win totals and all that, and we do it, and there's a big thing every year, and ESPN and Fox, and everybody makes a big deal about it. But you know who used to make a big deal about it? The players. You know, there are, you know, I'm older, so I remember, like, Olajuwon and Jordan and... You know, even into the 2000s, like Iverson and, and, and dudes like this, they're looking at their, you know, they're like, yo, I, we got to get to 50 games. 50 games gets us, you know, we from there, you know, it puts us in a position where we kind of need to be at. They kind of knew where they wanted to be. Um, So if you want this in-season tournament to be good, you got to put some stakes in it and allow the fans to kind of get engulfed in it. And just by putting out a new trophy and saying, hey, there's this thing at the end and they win it and whatever. <clears throat> now, a couple suggestions. I think I did this a couple years ago and it fell flat, but I'm going to bring it up again. Uh, this is strictly for the fans. Okay, so the first franchise or the franchise who wins the in-season tournament, they would get the 15th overall selection. Now, this is before expansion that comes along, right? Or the 17th once expansion concludes in the next couple years. So that puts you outside the lottery. You know, you're not getting a lottery pick. But before the teams that are, who have made the playoffs, get a pick, the in-season tournament champion gets that sandwich pick right in the middle. If you are the second place team, you get the, you know, throw an arbitrary slot out there. If you don't want them to get the first pick of the second round, um, make it where they get the 40th pick in the second round. Allow these, allow these games to have real stakes where the fans are invested. They're like, okay, we got something to play for or whatever. The 
other thought that I had is this. For the winning team, and this is for the fans as well. I haven't got to the players. We'll talk about that in a second. For the winning team, why don't we do this? You get $18 million of like salary cap relief to sign like a mid-level guy. Like as the cap goes up, the mid-level is going to go up. So right now we're looking at like 15. So I threw 18 number as a a nice little number that's a little bit over like a a mid-level guy. Um um and then for the for the second place team, they would get 12. Now this is also do this is also cap related. So as the cap goes up, that number goes up. So, you know, you know they they have accountants, they have special math in the NBA. So if you know the cap goes up by a little bit, then you know let's say goes up by a million, maybe the it's eighteen point two, whatever. But that would be a way where fans would be invested in this and wanting their teams to win and and kind of checking in on these games because right now they're just games. Yes, and I understand that we're trying to build a tradition, but because the the attention span of people, I don't know if this is the best way of doing it, but if you put some real stakes in it, I think then you get the fan... Um, involvement that you're looking for. The other thing, as far as the players are concerned, the one thing that we've talked about over the last couple of years is how young the league is. And with that being said, I know they have the monies that go to the players or whatever, but maybe make it more. Maybe also get like a sponsor that's specific for the actual in-season tournament and they're kind of flipping the bill or half flipping the bill with the NBA or whatever, or whoever, you know, whatever the rights, if this is sold as a separate entity of the NBA package down the road, you know, whoever is involved in that can also help out with that situation. Now, my proposal is that because we have a lot of influx of young people in the league, a lot of, you know, you know, first, you know, they're on the rookie contracts and things of that nature in the, the, the league. Austin Rivers can't get a job, but we got dudes in the league that are like 18 and 19 years old. No offense, but I think it's kind of crazy that Austin Reeves, uh, Austin Rivers cannot get a job right now in the NBA. So, shout out to our guy, Austin Rivers. Man, I hope uh, a team comes calling very, very soon. Okay, so my suggestion is if you are the winner, you get seventy you get seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars and you can tie it into the rookie contracts, right? So as your young player gets older and starts to understand the NBA and says, Wait, hold on, I got like a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar uh bonus, you know, if I win this in season tournament. And for the second place guys and the younger guys on the rookie deals, they get five hundred thousand. So you know it's a good chunk of money. That's something that you can write into the contract. It doesn't have anything to do with the winning team, the losing team, whatever. This is another thing that the team could do 
where now you got these kids going like, because here's the thing, we're still going to have low managing. We're still going to have players who are old like LeBron take off time or just pure rest. I know they say it's not going to happen, but it's going to happen. So if we're still going to have low management and we're still going to have players sitting out and we're still going to have national televised games out there doing all this crazy stuff, the one thing that we can get is we can get the young players that are in the league to care about this because it's all tied into their contractual situation. And if they win, they get more money. Now, another thing that you can do for the players to make it real, real cool is that the MVP of the in-season tournament, they have like a party at Summer League, like in their honor. You know, you can sponsor that out separate. Like you could say Sony or Reebok or Nike or Seagram's or whoever wants to sponsor it. But if you're the MVP of the in-season tournament at the summer league, you get like love. You get there's a whole party for you or whatever. Have it at the at the sphere, all that. Um, you know. So then there's some tie-in to summer league. You know, there's some tie-in. You know, you all the players are going to be there anyway. It's like a it's like a hoop summit anyway for the players. So this is something that you could do. Um, what were a couple other things that I said? Oh yeah, allow your allow your corporate sponsors in Vegas to help you. Allow your hotels to help you with these events and things of that nature. You know, for the team that wins or the MVP or whatever the case may be, whatever your choices of these ideas to allow the players to really care about these games that they're probably not going to care about. Except for winning games, there's not going to be extra effort because it's an in-season tournament game, I'm trying to tell you. But you can make it better. There's a way of making it better, and I think you can try these out. I was listening to the Hoop Collective, and I think Ramona Shelbourne of ESPN said that she would like to see USA or North America versus the world as far as the all-star game is concerned. That might be another way we can fix our our all-star game as well. It's like, if you want them to care about it, play it hard, play it seriously, make it the USA or North America all-stars versus... The international all source. Sounds like a good idea to me. So uh, I'm still in that Ramona Momo. So just letting you know that we're still in that here at FRPC. But we're definitely giving you credit for it. So those are the couple things that I thought about when it came to the end season tournament. Um, <clears throat> a couple things that are on my mind. The Chicago Bulls. Um, they're not good. And I don't understand their resistance to trading their talent to kind of bring, you know, usher in a new iteration of this Chicago Bulls team. It's, it's, 
it's bad right now. The the vibes are bad. <coughs> Levine is up here putting up 51 points with no assists. It's not good. Not good at all. Um, I think we're going to end. I want to talk. I know I want to talk about the, 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 the let's see, was there one other thing I wanted to talk about? Oh, I wanted to talk about Mavs rookie, uh, Derek Lively Jr. And the reason when I wanted to talk about him is because we do a lot of draft on this show, and we haven't done it because uh, Nico's been has some personal issues that he needs to deal with. He's coming back to the pod soon, and we have some additions that we can talk about soon. We just gotta firm up everything, but. There's another person that should be coming on to FRPC very soon, and we're excited about all of it. And it's going to bring some international flavor to our podcast, so I'm excited about all of that. So here's the other thing that we do here on the podcast. When we're wrong about a player, like I was wrong about Derek Lively, I thought this year was a complete wash. I thought he wouldn't be physical enough. I didn't think he'd stand up. Now it's early. I'm not saying that he's Akeem Olajuwon or anything like that. But what we are seeing is that his defense, which we were kind of questioning at Duke, is actually a little bit better than we thought. And he is an absolute, like, complete athletic freak. And he is the perfect pick-and-roll partner for Luka Doncic. Needed a little water. I was parched. So <clears throat> I was wrong about Derek Lively. Um, the one thing that was really um, that stood out was just he's such a tremendous finisher. You just need to put it up near the rim. Now I know we've been talking about this with Wimby. It's a little bit different when you don't have to jump, but you know, he, he does play in good interior defense, even though Dallas sucks at defense. They're just going to outscore people. Once you put more people around him, we'll see what it looks like. Um, and Kidd's willingness, Jason Kidd, the head coach of the Mavericks, his willingness to continue to put him in the games because Kidd normally is not a young guy dude. So it's been interesting to see that whole dynamic work itself out. And then the last thing that I want to leave with, and we got we got two more things that we're going to get to, and I, there was one last thing that I really wanted to talk about, but before that, I wanted to talk about the Ant Edwards performance of a couple of nights ago. I have been clamoring on this pod for uh, at least a year to allow Ant Edwards for this to be his team. And it, it is now. I think we can we can really say at this point that it is his team. But the performance that he put on in Boston the other night was the type of stuff that I was talking about. It's the type of stuff where you go, 
Can he take over? I, I really see it in him. I know he has this in him. And truth be told, he looked like the... I don't want to lose this damn game guy more than Jason Tatum. He took the defense's assignment at the end of the game, at the end of the overtime. I mean, it was it was wild stuff. So Anthony Edwards is that guy. He's also at this point in the year averaging 28 points, 6.7 rebounds, and 4.8 assists a game. So he's taking another leap. And if he's taking another another leap, Minnesota is going to be really hard out this year. So good to see Ant Edwards, which is one of our favorite guys, and just do well, man. I'm so so happy for him. The last thing what I want to get to is <clears throat> we finish where we started, right? We're gonna finish with the James Harden thing. So now what? What does Daryl Morey do now? Does he have to do anything? I don't know. Um, here's what I like to see. I know right now they're they're in a good situation. Maxie's playing well. You know they're they've only lost one game. I mean it's a really great start. I'm not saying like this is a terrible position for them to be in. It is not. I'm excited for what we're going to see, especially if Joel Embiid is going to play this way and this Maxi is sticking around. I still got real high hopes for the Philadelphia 76ers, which I thought they would struggle. Boy, was I wrong. Again, again, you get a wrong in this podcast. So this is my vision for what, Daryl Morey should do. Now, there's a lot of there's a lot of things out here. There's a lot of choices. But if Daryl Morey can thread this needle, not this year, but next year, he'll be he'll be exec of the year. So he's got expiring contracts and cap space, right? He has a a star center that's about to hit 30, who we don't know at his peak what he's going to look like in the next couple years. We don't know. And there are picks. So what do you do? Do you do something before the season ends? Do you do something after? So this is kind of what I think they should do. Personally, I would go ahead and I would not do anything right now. I will wait until the end of the year, not the not the trade deadline, the end of the year. Now you're going to have to keep Embiid engaged, keep him content through this whole process, which is I know very hard. But if Mori is a great visionary that he says he is, he can get Embiid to buy in. Embiid has been a patient guy so far. I guess my vision for it is to get Embiid someone who can help him out. Now, here's some guys that you might want to think about in free agency. 
maybe OG Ananobi. You know, that'd be a guy you can get. <clears throat> Helps out defensively, sort of. Plays bigger than his actual height. If the shot comes around, there's another guy. And then you can use picks. So you really, if Maxi is a guy, if we can say that he's a guy, and then we can figure out whether he's a two or three, here's the thing. If you can get OG Avanovi in free agency and then next year take or this this upcoming offseason, use those picks and whatever salaries you have left and go get another guy. Now, if it's a situation where you know salaries gotta match and whatever. Maybe there's a sign and trade for. Oh, no, you can't do sign and trades with the CVA. So, those are things that you have to look at when you're looking at this deal. My thing is, it says it's going to be real hard to thread the needle. I think there might be a trade during this upcoming trade deadline, personally. Um, it might just be one of those situations where you are. You're going to have to just eat up the cap space, get the guy in, and if it's somebody who is a free agent next year, just be like, hey, we're going to sign him. This is the guy we, you know, earmarked as next to Maxi and Embiid. So we have a lot to look forward to with Philadelphia. There are so many choices that they have out there at their disposal. It's going to be fascinating to see what Maury does with it. Now, we have come to the oh, there was a couple other pe- couple other names that I want to throw out there. This is the reason why I want to do this pod because you know I have to get a little treaty at the end of it. Let's see how this Jalen Brown thing goes in uh, Boston. Now, so far, so good, right? But let's see how it goes. And we talked about at Edwards. Does Cat like his diminished role? So there's a couple guys out there that Philadelphia can kind of focus in on as this season goes along. Now, Jalen Brown, they're not going to get him until that will get in that will be next season. And Jalen Brown might be extremely happy with his situation, but I do understand that now that Porzing is there, you're not always going to be the second guy. That guy is going to be change or Jalen is going to be the second guy, and then three through five, those dudes will decide who's going to be the number three and the four and the five on that day. This is a lot of miles to feed in Boston, but so far, so good. They play excellent. I love their depth. I love their size, and I love how they're playing, but we'll see how it all plays out. Cat is the interesting one because the defense still isn't good, um, but it's problematic enough. Um, I'm still worried about Cat in postseason play, but we'll see. But if Ant has taken that leap, he can play the secondary role. Not a lot, not as much pressure on him, and we'll see how it all goes. So that's what I have to say on those things. That is pretty much the pot. I want to thank everybody with sticking by us. You know, this move has been just absolutely crazy, devastating on pods. But we are back in business. And we should be doing pods normal come soon. 
there might be a pod drop tomorrow. Who knows? I don't know. I have no clue. I'm trying to get internet to work. I actually got internet to work today, and I was so ecstatic. So here we are, makeshift. We're making it happen. But check out the YouTube channel. We're going to be putting up stuff, especially on the on this uh, pod. We'll be putting stuff up there from this pod. Um, get me on Twitter or X. I keep saying Twitter. I'm going to stop, I swear. At X, at FrontRunnerPC, and also hit at Nico FRPC. And with that being said, man, you guys have a good hump day. I'm up out of here, and I will see you on the flip side. And I believe there will be a pod on Friday. Y'all be easy. Peace.